Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, I'll be covering three disappearances all in the area of Nashua, New Hampshire. And while they don't appear to be directly connected, they do all have something in common. So instead of one long episode, you'll be getting three minis. I can't wait to share these stories with you. So let's get right to it. With a population of just under 90,000, Nashua is large for the New England region, but relatively small in comparison to other areas in the U.S., and it's a beautiful place to live. According to downtownnashua.org, it was twice voted the number one place to live in the United States by Money Magazine. Once, the very first year there was a list, in 1987, and again in 1997, Numerous times, Nashua has ranked in the top 100, most recent as 2019. It's less than an hour away from Boston, but a whole world away. It's peaceful and serene. There are many hiking and biking trails and parks. Mine Falls Park is a crowd favorite and located right in the heart of the city. Folks come from miles away to hike the trails. You can also take a boat, go fishing, cross-country skiing, and biking. It doesn't seem like the type of place where people just up and vanish. But that's exactly what happened to April Jean Bailey. In January of 2020, April was a 36-year-old mother of three children, one of them special needs, when she vanished into thin air from a small working-class neighborhood in Nashua, New Hampshire. And April Bailey was a longtime resident of Nashua. According to family and friends, as reported to the unionleader.com, the three years prior to her disappearance had been difficult for April. Since her mother had passed away in September of 2016, April had been struggling with her addiction. In January of 2020, her two minor children weren't living with her, and her third child was 21 at the time. April was in the middle of her battle with addiction. However, her friends and family said she had been clean and sober for a few months prior to her disappearance. She had been renting a room from a woman on Lynn Street for a few months. It seemed April was on the right track and getting her life back. That was until January 15, 2020. It was a cold night in Nashua. The high that day was only in the 40s, and as night fell, the temperature dipped down into the 20s. According to a missing poster on the FBI's website, in the early evening hours of January 15, 2020, April was seen leaving her apartment at 45 Lynn Street in Nashua while carrying trash outside her residence. At the time, she was wearing slippers, black sweatpants, and a big black jacket with fur around the hood. April Jean Bailey has never been seen or heard from since. She literally threw on her house shoes and a coat to walk outside to take out the garbage and seemingly vanished into thin air. April was not reported missing immediately. However, five days passed between the time she walked out of her home to take out the trash and a missing persons report being filed. And that missing persons report 
was not filed by the people living in the home with April. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be pretty damn suspicious if my roommate goes out to take out the trash and is gone an entire five days. But who am I and what do I know? Something stinks, and I'm not talking about the garbage. Nevertheless, on January 20th, 2020, a missing persons report was filed by April's family, and as you'll see throughout this case, not much was publicly made available. WMUR.com reported that police were requesting the public's assistance in locating April Bailey. She was 36, last seen in the area of 45 Lynn Street in Nashua on January 15th. Police said family and friends had not been in touch with her since that day. April Bailey was described as being 5'3 and weighing 130 pounds, with dark hair and blue eyes, and last seen wearing those slippers, pajama pants, and a black jacket. She has a butterfly tattoo on her right shoulder and another tattoo on her right ankle. Anyone with information was asked to contact Nashua police. But it seems as though nothing came of this plea, at least nothing police are willing to say publicly. Initially, April's case was handled through local police, but nearly a year after her disappearance, local police announced through an article on WMUR.com that they had called in the FBI due to the suspicious circumstances surrounding April's disappearance and the fact that she had previous ties to Boston and other areas throughout the Northeast. On April 28th of 2021, residents of Nashua noticed a heavy police presence and news crews at Improved Machinery Pond just off Burke Street, which is just barely over a mile from where April went missing. News stations captured footage of dive teams hitting the water. Could this be in relation to April? What had led police to this particular place? What did they know that the rest of the world didn't? Would they find April? Everyone held their breath and waited. And then, just one day later, the Nashua Telegraph reported the police confirmed that this search was in relation to missing April Bailey. But it wouldn't take long, and just two days after the search was started, the union leader reported that a tip hadn't led police to the pond. It was simply a body of water in close proximity to where April had gone missing from that had not yet been searched. And furthermore, nothing had been found in relation to April's disappearance, despite the use of cadaver dogs, boats, a dive team, and a drone. Police were no closer to finding out where April was and what had happened to her. Lieutenant Patrick Hannon of the Nashua Police Department said, It's a much bigger body of water than we thought. It's a location we might go back to. There has been speculation and rumors circulating April's disappearance, some saying she possibly relapsed and left on her own accord due to her struggle with addiction. But why leave in house shoes and pajama pants and leave her phone and wallet behind? And why have zero contact with anyone in her life since? Her family believes she is in danger and did not leave of her own accord. And her family knows her better than anyone. As I said, not many details have been released to the public, but what we do know is April left behind her cell phone and wallet, and she was reportedly just taken out the trash. 
But keep in mind, everything we know about the trash story is based on reports from those people residing in that home who also didn't report her missing. For five entire days, she didn't come home, yet no one reported her missing. And while they didn't report her missing, they sure as hell had a clear memory of her taking out the trash five days prior and exactly what she was wearing. They also knew that her wallet and cell phone were left behind, but didn't feel it necessary to even do so much as reach out to April's family, or anyone else for that matter. Where in the hell is April Jean Bailey? What has happened? An April story is just one of the cases that deserve to be heard today. Let's talk about Amanda Grozuski. Amanda was 23 at the time of her disappearance. She, too, had struggled with addiction. It had gotten to the point that Amanda had previously been hospitalized for complications related to her drug use. According to ManchesterLinking.com, Amanda's family said she had recently started using fentanyl. You see, Amanda had lost her father when she was still in high school due to complications of alcohol abuse. This broke her, and when she was just 15 or 16 years old, she started using hard drugs and dropped out of high school after 10th grade. This was the moment her addiction began to spiral. Fentanyl is one of the most dangerous drugs on the street today. Let's talk about fentanyl for just a moment because I think it's so important. According to drugabuse.gov, fentanyl is a powerful synthetic opioid that is similar to morphine, but it's 50 to 100 times more potent. And while it is used in a clinical setting, typically to treat patients with severe pain, especially after surgery, and sometimes to treat patients with chronic pain who are physically tolerant to other opioids, synthetic opioids, including fentanyl, are now the most common drugs involved in drug overdose deaths in the United States. In 2017, 59.8% of opioid-related deaths involved fentanyl, compared to 14.3% in 2010. Fentanyl use is on the rise. Illegal fentanyl is sold as a powder, dropped on blotter paper like small candies, in eyedroppers or nasal sprays, or made into pills that look like real prescription opioids. It can also be mixed with other drugs such as cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, and MDMA. This is especially dangerous because people are often unaware that fentanyl has been added. Just a few granules can produce fatal respiratory effects. It's odorless, colorless, and tasteless. And there's no easy way to know exactly how much you're getting. That's why it's so damn dangerous. Back to Amanda. Even though she had struggled with fentanyl, she had always stayed in contact with her family, especially her young daughter. According to Amanda's mother, as reported to the Eagle Tribune, she would eventually be active on social media or send a message or call someone, she said. But it became clear this time that something was not right. She doesn't go that long without talking to any of us or checking in on her daughter. She had been staying at the Radisson Hotel in Nashua. According to DisappearedBlog.com, just prior to her disappearance in mid-March, she had left that hotel to stay at a friend's apartment on 18 Birch Street in Derry. Derry is about a 25 to 30 minute drive from the hotel Amanda had been staying at in Nashua. She had brought with her two backpacks of clothes, her purse, and her phone. 
Once arriving at her friend's apartment, there were at least four other people. They all hung out for a little while. Police believe some of them were taking drugs. And at some point in the night, everyone else went to sleep. But Amanda stayed up. When one of those so-called friends woke in the early morning of March 17, 2020, St. Patrick's Day, according to this friend, Amanda was just gone. She had simply vanished, leaving behind her purse, cell phone, and those backpacks with her clothes in the apartment. But apparently, no one was concerned because they waited a whole ass two days before they contacted a family member of Amanda's. That family member then reported her missing to the police. Police begin their investigation, initially thinking it was possible that Amanda could have just gone off with another friend or cut off communication with her family for one reason or another. But as the days ticked on, it became clear that there was more to the story. Amanda didn't have access to a car, and with all of her worldly possessions left behind, how far could she and would she go? Her family knew she would have made contact by now. Something just wasn't right. On March 26, 2020, police finally go public with Amanda's case and ask for assistance in locating her. It was on that same day, according to ManchesterInkLink.com, that Amanda's social security card was found on the ground outside Elliott Hospital. Elliott Hospital is roughly 12 miles from Birch Street, where Amanda was last seen. It's unlikely she would have walked that far in the middle of the night. And what was she doing at the hospital? Is it possible that was dropped during a previous stay? We know she had been hospitalized before. What was the condition of that card? Had it been placed there by someone to throw police off? Investigators have not revealed any more information other than the fact that the card was found. They're keeping all those details close to the vest, as they are with most of the information they have obtained in their search for Amanda, and rightly so. What Captain Vern Thomas of the Derry Police would reveal to ManchesterInkLink.com is that multiple searches were conducted using canines in the wooded areas near the Birch Street apartment where she was last seen, and in another area behind the police department off Folsom Road. Police had also gained access to that cell phone that Amanda left behind, and there were some clues. Messages were recovered between Amanda and an unknown person in which Amanda talked about wanting to move to Salem. We don't know what her destination was in Salem, but we were thinking she was going to stay there instead of Derry, Lieutenant Thomas said. Her messages were brief. He went on further to say that many of the contacts in her phone were nicknames or just first names. Police had tried to trace the number of that unknown person that Amanda was talking to about Salem, but it led them to a prepaid burner phone. According again to ManchesterLinking.com, multiple friends of Amanda's reported to police that she had been involved in prostitution, although police have never publicly confirmed this. One of Amanda's friends received a disturbing tip from another anonymous friend who passed it along to the family. This anonymous person said that they know, quote, what happened to Amanda and where she is. If that truly is the case, Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous, you need to come forward and start talking. 
Amanda Grzewski deserves to be found regardless of the outcome. She deserves to be home with her family, her daughter, and if that isn't possible, her family at the very least deserves closure. Amanda's mother spoke to the Eagle Tribune and said she checks in with police every other week, each time hoping to hear of some development in the search for her daughter. She said police share just about as much as they can, but without someone coming forward with information, her calls are mostly just a repetition and an open-ended timeline. Amanda's family is heartbroken and just wants her back home. Her mother, Jessica, spoke to Boston 25 News. We just try to be strong, she said, wanting to know one way or another. We love her. We just want her home. She really did want to get well and throw herself into it. But unfortunately, addiction is a disease and it just took hold of her full throttle, she said. No one has seen or heard from Amanda Grzewski since March 17, 2020. She is described as a white female with brown hair and hazel eyes. She's 5'5 and weighs roughly 135 pounds. She has several tattoos, large butterflies on her right hip, a small heart under her left breast, and a peace sign with a tree on the back of her neck. Our final case today is the disappearance of Michael Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. If you know, you know. On January 17, 2019, 34-year-old Michael Andrew Jones also vanished from Nashua. According to family, as reported to the Nashua Telegraph, Michael suffered from extreme anxiety, depression, and had a history of struggling with addiction. He had entered treatment in the past in order to overcome his battle with addiction. And at the time he went missing, police thought maybe he had just decided to enter treatment again, so they held off on getting his photo and information in the hands of the public. As I'm sure you've noticed throughout today's episode, police investigators haven't released a ton of information to the public on the cases we've discussed, and Michael Jones' case is no different. There isn't a whole lot publicly known. But I'd never want that to be a reason a case didn't get the coverage it deserved. Let's talk about what we do know the days and hours leading up to the disappearance of Michael Andrew Jones. On January 16, 2019, Michael had gone to lunch with his mother. While they were eating and chatting it up, he appeared to be happy and everything seemed to be going pretty good. Michael did have bouts with depression and anxiety, but at this lunch, he seemed upbeat. He and his mother, Susan, had a great time together. They went their separate ways. Michael had been staying at a friend's house, but he and his mother stayed in touch. So later on that week, she tried calling him, but his phone kept going straight to voicemail. She kept trying, thinking maybe he had just forgotten to charge his phone at first. But after repeated calls, she got more and more concerned. This was so unlike Michael, so she started calling around to all his friends. And friend after friend says they hadn't heard from him either. Panic began to rise. Where could he be? Why wasn't he answering her calls? What the hell was going on? On January 23rd, she contacted police and reported her son, Michael Andrew Jones, missing. At the time, he had just gone through a breakup and had been bouncing between friends' homes, one who stayed on Ald Street 
and another off Harbor Avenue in Nashua. He'd crash here and there. He had plenty of friends to help him out. During the initial investigation, it was discovered that he had recently been contacting local rehabilitation centers for treatment. Maybe this was the answer. Maybe, just maybe, this was a positive thing. Maybe he had simply entered treatment and would call soon. Maybe he was on the path for a better life. But you and I both know, unfortunately, that's not the case, or I wouldn't be here telling you this story. Investigators called around, and Michael wasn't in any of the treatment facilities. He's just gone, and there wasn't much to go on. And since investigators were calling around and not exactly chomping at the bit to get Michael's information out to the public and ask for assistance, there was a delay in the time he was reported missing by his family and when police went public. But eventually, police began retracing Michael's steps, and according to the Charlie Project, Michael Jones was last seen in the vicinity of Harbor Avenue at one of his friend's homes just one day after he had lunch with his mom. There are no further details provided publicly by police besides that. Michael Andrew Jones simply vanished without a trace. And it seems those who were last around him can't or won't provide further information on his whereabouts. He has never been seen or heard from after January 17, 2019. His phone number has since been reassigned to someone else, as is common with a prepaid account. After a certain period of time, if a payment is not made to add more minutes to the phone, the phone number is simply recycled. According to theunionleader.com, Jones is about 5 foot 8 and 170 pounds, with brown hair, blue eyes, and an average build. He sometimes has a reddish beard and other times is clean-shaven. When his mother last saw him, his face was clean-shaven. Jones was wearing a brown leather coat, white sneakers, and jeans the last time he was seen. He has tattoos on both ankles and on his right shoulder, scars on his left arm, right elbow, and the right side of his face. What happened to Michael Jones? Someone saw something. Someone knows something. People don't just drop off the face of the earth and no one sees a thing. Where is Mike? All three of these cases do have something in common. And what exactly is that? The missing person either had in the past or was currently struggling with substance abuse and members of each family felt that their cases weren't taken seriously in the very beginning because of those issues. And with so many struggling with addiction, we've got to change how we respond to these cases. In the United States alone, 21 million people suffer with at least one addiction, yet only 10% of them receive treatment. It's likely you yourself know someone who struggles. April Bailey, Amanda Grzewski, and Michael Jones all may have struggled with their addictions, that's clear, but their addictions do not define them. They are someone's mother, daughter, son, brother. They are loved and they are so missed. Addiction is only one part of their lives, one part of their stories. Their lives are no less important than anyone else. Their addiction doesn't devalue them as human beings. Their stories deserve to be told. 
Their cases deserve to be covered. Their pictures should be plastered in the media until they are home. They deserve to be found. They deserve to be home with their families. Their lives freaking matter and their families deserve answers. April Bailey is a beautiful mother of three. She's a triplet with a sister who is identical to her and a brother who misses her. One of her friends spoke to theunionleader.com. She would give the shirt off of her back for anybody. She never pushed anyone away and she was always there. Now it is our time to be there for her and find her. I won't give up hope, she said. And her children haven't given up hope either. They still search and long for answers. They just want their mom back. If you have any information about the disappearance of April Bailey, please contact the FBI Boston Division at 857-386-2000 or go to tips.fbi.gov. Amanda Grzewski had a passion for cosmetology and fashion with big dreams of working in one of those two fields. She loves her family and her baby girl. Her mother recalls that she was strong-willed even as a baby. She is loved and she is missed. Her family desperately needs answers. If you have any information about the whereabouts of Amanda Grzewski, please contact the Dairy Police Department at 603-432-6111. Her family is offering a $1,000 reward. Michael Andrew Jones is a beloved son. Despite his mental health and struggles with addiction, Michael had been seeking help and wanted to get better, to be better. This has been an absolute nightmare for his family, especially his mother. She also spoke to theunionleader.com. As a mother, not knowing is probably the worst. In my heart, I think he's still around, but maybe he doesn't know who he is or where he is. I'm just grasping at straws right now. I can't give up, she said. If you have any information about the disappearance of Michael Andrew Jones, please contact Nashua Police Department at 603-594-3500. It's beyond time to do the right thing. It's beyond time for answers for these families. If you have any information regarding any of the Nashua missing, you can anonymously contact the Nashua Crime Line at 603-589-1665. As always, more information and photos will be posted on my Facebook, at least of these, and my Instagram, at least underscore of these. New episodes drop every Thursday, so make sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.